Dunkin' Refreshers are the perfect way to get a little more out of your day. With more tropical flavors like new mango pineapple and more ways to get glowing. Available with green tea, coconut milk, or lemonade. You've got what you need to make the most out of every moment. Even the ones spent stuck in traffic. <sighs> what a beautiful day. Sip into all your favorite Dunkin' Refreshers, like new mango pineapple. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Additional charges may apply. With prices soaring at the pump, filling up can be stressful. That's why Discover has your back with cash back. Use Discover to earn 5% cash back at gas stations and Target. Now through June, on up to $1,500 in purchases when you activate. We know every dollar matters right now, but you can count on us. Get up to $75 cash back this quarter with your Discover It card. Limitations apply. Learn more at discover.com slash rewards. The Exxon Radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. All-Hit Radio! Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, my guest this hour is Richard Sennett, and we've had the pleasure of having Richard on the show a number of times. Uh, Richard was born in Los Angeles, California. He was the oldest son of Leonard and Sylvia Sennett. His father worked for MGM Studios along with his brothers and a father on such classic films as The Wizard of Oz. In 1953, the family moved to Venice, California, to Thousand Oaks, where they uh, bought some land. 1963, Leonard retired and the family moved to the coastal community of Ventura, California. It was here that Richard started Ventura High School and Ventura Community College, where he earned an AA degree. He went on to Long Beach State University, where he earned a degree in history. He was working on a second degree in archaeology when he attended a field school at the Old Spanish Mission of San Antonio de Padre, that's near King City, California, at about 12.30 in the early morning hours of July 2nd, he saw the phantom figure of a monk. This unexpected 
unexpected encounter changed his life. He vowed to discover what ghosts were and why they walk the earth. He became one of the pioneer ghost hunters in the West. Uh, It is a career that has taken him to hundreds of haunted sites in the United States and England. Now, Richard has appeared on many radio and TV programs over the years, and he has published 18 books. He is a recognized authority on the subject of the paranormal. He met his wife, Debbie, uh, in 1983. Now, together they investigated a number of important sites, including the Whaley House in San Diego. They were married in a haunted 1888 church, and they have three children and today four granddaughters. Joining me now is Richard Sinet. And uh, Richard, welcome back to the Exxon. Always great talking to you. Oh, glad to be on. Uh, before we go any further, congratulations are in order on the birth of a new grandchild. Well, that's right. We have a new little granddaughter. Her name is Ivy, and she's cute as a bug's ear, and she's just about to turn four months old. <laughs> ah, Richard, tell me, do you think she's going to be a ghost hunter like her grandpa? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I know some of my uh, children uh, are in favor of ghost hunting, mm-hmm. and some are not. So some of them are totally turned off by it. But I guess that's how it is with all families. You know, they all want to go into something different than the family business. Isn't that the truth? And and you must admit, your family business is a rather unique one. Yes, that is certainly true, and it's gotten a little more popular. I know when I mm-hmm. started doing this back in the uh, 1980s, um, there weren't a lot of ghost hunters out there. This was before the TV shows, and it wasn't all that popular. In fact, my children had to face uh, prejudice. Um, they had problems in school. Why? Because of my uh, ghost hunting career. Unbelievable. And it's it's hard to imagine today, but such a prejudice really existed back in the early years. Things are certainly different these days, Richard. Oh, very much. Now ghost hunters are all over the place. They've sprouted up like mushrooms everywhere. In fact, last night on uh, The X Factor, there was a young contestant there who was very proud to let the world know who was watching that she was a ghost hunter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see it's now gone mainstream, and yep. that's pretty much due to the TV shows that came out in, what, 2001, something like that, yep. and your know, Caps and the others have made it something that's far more respectable, but I know when I started doing this, I used to get hate mail oh, from gosh. various groups, and we actually had people leaving uh, packages on our doorstep, and my children were you know, had problems in school, as I mentioned. Hey, Rich, you and I Lots have to take a commercial break. We'll be right back. Exonation. Richard Sennett is our special guest. We're talking about ghosts this hour. www.ghost-stalker.com. This is the Exon. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away. Good to me, I know, but I can't change. 
tried to tell you but you look at me like maybe I'm an angel underneath innocent and sweet yesterday I cried you must have been relieved to see the softer side I can understand how you'd be so confused I don't envy you I'm a little bit of everything I'll roll into one I'm a bitch I'm a lover I'm a child I'm a mother Welcome back everyone Richard Sennett's our special guest ghost-stalker.com and we're talking about ghosts this hour with undoubtedly one of the world's far most authorities on ghosts and uh, Richard did you ever find out what a ghost was? No, I'm still looking what they are, but there are many theories that might apply for them. Uh, most of the common theory is that they're you know, dead people who mm-hmm. come back from the grave uh, for a purpose or a mission. And a few of the ghosts seem to be just that. I mean, they're recognized by loved ones who come back to give a message or give hope or a number of different reasons. But there's a whole bunch of ghosts that don't fit that category. They're just kind of, um, well, I don't know, leftover uh, echoes of the past, if you will. Uh, others attend, uh, might well be some sort of projections of our own minds. Hmm. And we've actually had encounters of ghosts who behave like ghosts, who walk through walls, disappear, all that, of people who are still very much alive. Uh, how do you explain that? No idea, Rich. Um, what what was it like the very first time that you saw a ghost go through a wall? It defies everything that we know. I have. Um, I was investigating an old hospital. Now, hospitals are notoriously haunted, mm-hmm. and many times there are the people who pass away of them. But more commonly, there are the staff, doctors and nurses, who spend so much time in there that they've. Oh, I don't know, have an attraction to it. I went to this old abandoned hospital, and I actually was in the mortuary area of the hospital. It's all just really messed up at that point in time. There's spider webs everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I had a large team with me, but they were upstairs conducting experiments. I decided to go off on my own, went into that mortuary area, and there was a man in a white coat and a beard, I noticed he had a scar on his face and a pipe in his hand. And he looked at me, and my first reaction was, get out, <laughs> run the other way. But here, I'm a ghost owner, I can't do that. Yeah. And so I actually um, uh, steeled myself and started to slowly walk towards the figure. And as I did that, it walked away from me like it didn't want me to get too close, then it walked right back into a brick wall that went right through it. How did you feel? Uh, shaken up. I was badly shaken. In fact, I, I just stood there shaking mm-hmm. all over, and um, then I did what every good ghost hunter should do, and that is as soon as you have an encounter, get a pencil and paper and write it all down. The times, Mm -hmm. the dates, what you felt, that there are any temperature variations. You write it all down while it's fresh in your memory. And I next do something else, a technique I learned in archaeology. Uh, When you find an artifact, you draw a picture of it. 
So whenever I see an apparition, I sit down and I draw a picture of exactly what I saw. Now, the sooner you do this, the better you are. In fact, the best way to do it is within minutes or seconds of a sighting. Because that should be the first thing you grab for is a pencil and paper and start writing down all the details. Uh, so anyway, that's a technique wow. I've used. But that was the first time that just walked right through the wall. Now, it's kind of interesting because it looked solid. It wasn't, like, transparent or mm -hmm. anything. It, it sort of became transparent as it went through the wall just at the very end when it faded right into the bricks. And I remember that part of it. In fact, it's so astounding. That, uh, by the way, anyone who's seen a ghost will confirm this. Uh, when you have a ghostly encounter, it stick in your mind. It's stuck there, branded like a memory that you can't forget. And I can almost close my eyes and see that guy's face. I later learned that that was actually, I was able to identify him from a photograph one of the original doctors who established that old hospital in 1902. It also, it almost seems, Richard, as if there was an intelligence behind this uh, this apparition. Yes, I find that about half of the apparitions actually seem to exhibit some mm. kind of uh, intelligent thought. Where, in your opinion... And and you've been all over the all over the U.S. and the United Kingdom doing your investigations. Where, in your opinion, Richard Senate is the most haunted place in the United States? United States, without a doubt, uh, New Orleans. Why? I uh, well, I think it has to do with the different culture groups mm. that have lived there. Plus, it's had a very violent past. And there have been lots of terrible outrages over the years. I tend to think that that's the reason why we have so many uh, ghosts in that particular city. Another good one is San Francisco, where so many people died in the terrible um, oh, yes. the uh, fire earthquake and, the earthquake, and yeah. fire. I haven't investigated Chicago but the awful fire that took place there in the 19th century has probably left a lot of uh, you know, ghosts behind mm -hmm. as well. Richard, are, are most funeral homes haunted? Yes. In fact, I, I, would make a, I would make a blanket statement, all of them are haunted. And I've talked to many people, even funeral homes that are no longer being used as funeral homes tend to be haunted. Hmm. How do you how do you clean or how do you cleanse a home from being haunted or is it possible? I believe it is, but it doesn't always work. Um, in fact, I would dare say it only works about oh a quarter of the time, mm -hmm. three quarters of the time is, is to completely fail, fails. You can use a variety of rituals. Every church. Uh, has their own ritual cleansings, uh, blessings, house blessings. The Catholics are the most known for this, but the Mormons do it, the Baptists, the Hindus, all of the religious groups, even the Jewish people, have techniques to cleanse or get rid of uh, old uh, leftovers. 
Many people today use Native American practices, uh, burning sage, blessings, what have you. Or the simplest way is to have a psychic come and find out what the ghost wants. Mm. Maybe by telling it that it's no longer there, it will actually uh, help to make it leave. A number of people that we've had on the show, Richard, say that one explanation for ghosts is because these spirits don't know they're dead. Is that possible? Well, I think it is very possible. From what I've gathered from my own communications and such, mm-hmm. when a violent death occurs, it's so traumatic that the spirit, whatever it is, um, has a, a kind of like a, a brief form of amnesia. They forget the last few minutes of their lives, and they don't realize that they're dead. And as such, they're wandering around. Nobody's paying attention to them. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't seem to have the same grasp of time that we do. So to them, what seems to us many years might, in fact, just be a few minutes. They don't realize how much time has passed. So I believe that this also... Um, is the reason behind those crosses you see on the roadway. You know, when you drive around, yes, especially yep. in Latino countries, and mm-hmm. someone dies in a fatal accident, they put a cross up. I believe those were there, and Latinos have told me, those are the left ghosts know that they're dead. So they may still linger at the spot of the accident, and they still may be suffering from amnesia mm-hmm. and don't know what's happening to them. But then they see the cross, and they actually say, oh, okay, um, I'm dead. That's why nobody's talking to me. And hopefully go on to whatever the next place is they are supposed to go. I investigated a cemetery that was haunted. It was, oddly enough, not the graves, but the office where a man had passed away. A man had worked there his whole life, who was in the back vault, a dedicated worker, and he just dropped dead of a heart attack, and they would see him still going to work, Hmm. um, you know, checking in. And so um, I said I would organize a team and get a psychic. Say, oh, no, no, we can't can't do that because the owner is a born-again Christian and doesn't believe in this. So I had a dilemma. How do you help someone get rid of a ghost if they won't let you on the property? So I told them to put up a shrine, a large cross with the name of the dead person, their photograph, or obituary, uh, words of comfort, flowers, candles, mm-hmm. and such. Put it in his old spot where his ghost is seen, and that might help. They did it. By the way, the owner saw the shrine and said, what's this? And he said, oh, well, we miss our, our co-worker. We put this up in his memory. Actually, nobody much liked him, but oddly <laughs> enough, Ghost was seen only one more time going into his office, and perhaps, I hope anyway, he saw the shrine, realized what the message was, mm-hmm. and he was never seen again. So those little crosses and shrines might actually serve a purpose to alert the uh, uh, earthbound phantom or whatever it is that it's time to move on. Richard, you and I have to take our commercial break for the news at the bottom of the hour. Thanks very much for being with us. Always a great pleasure talking to you, my friend. Okay. All right, Richard, uh, Senate is my special guest of this hour, ExoNation. 18 books and going strong. If For more information on Richard, 
ghost-stalker.com. And he also has a very active and popular Facebook page. All you have to do is go to Facebook and uh, put in the search engine, Richard Sennett, and you can join up and be one of Richard's friends on Facebook. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as the X-Zone continues. We're right here live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network from our studios in beautiful Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Yesterday I cried You must have been relieved to see the softer side I can understand how you'd be so confused I don't envy you I'm a little bit of everything My name is Michael Telstar, Canada's leading mentalist from Toronto, Ontario. Hi, my name is Splenza, and you're listening to my dad, Rob McConnell, on the XM. This is Psychic Dorothy from St. Catharines, and you're listening to Rob McConnell. Hello, my name is Holly Reeves, an astrologer from Astro for You. Now it's time for a plant fact. Everyone loves lilacs, but there's more to them than meets the eye. Their scientific name is syringa which derives from the Greek word syrinx for panpipes. This is because their stems are filled with a spongy pith that can be removed and the hollow wood played like a flute. You can get your own lilac or any of the award-winning Proven Winners flowering shrubs at your local garden center or visit provenwinnerscolorchoice.com. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting enrolls for recurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, stop, stop. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun, and everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232. And you're listening to Canada's number one paranormal radio show, The X-Zone, with Rob McConnell. Welcome to The X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Yeah, man. So we back in the club with our bodies rocking from side to side, side, side to side. Thank God the week is done. I feel like a zombie gone back to life, back, back to life. Hands up, yeah, suddenly we all got our hands up. No control of my body. Ain't I seen you before? I think I remember those eyes, eyes, eyes. Exonation Richard Senate is our special guest. Um, 
Richards an internationally recognized ghost researcher. He's written over 18 books. He's been on every radio station, TV station that has any show to do with the paranormal. His website is www.ghost-stalker.com. That's www.ghost-stalker.com. And he also has a very active uh, Facebook page. All you have to do is go to Facebook, put his name there in the search, and le voila, you can be one of his friends. Richard, um, how do you deal with skepticism? I'm sure you have people who go out on ghost tours with you, and even though the majority of your group may have an encounter, they just shrug their shoulders and say, what are you talking about? Oh, I get, I've always gotten skeptics on my tours and you know, talks I've given and stuff like that. And it's it's really hard. It's always a challenge because people are always uh, you know, forcing you to kind of prove yourself mm-hmm. or prove your theories. And I remember one of the early lectures I gave, I sometimes give lectures to large groups of people. And at the very start of it, I many times ask, uh, open the floor up for them to ask me questions while people are, you know, coming into the room mm-hmm. and things are getting set up for the talk. And this one fellow rose his hand in the back, an older guy, and he said, um, I'm a fellow ghost hunter too. And I said, well, welcome. I'm glad to hear other people are doing this. And they said, well, I've been studying ghosts for years and there just ain't no such animal. And I said, well, why do you say that? And he said, well, I had two good friends, and mm-hmm. I asked them when they died to come back and tell me if there is a spirit world. And um, uh, they both died, and they never came back. And at that point, he said, there's no such thing. He walked out the door. And I wish he'd stayed. I would have liked to have talked to him a little further because uh, there are many explanations to... Uh, account for why he would not be contacted by the his spirits of his dead friends. Maybe they didn't want to talk to him, mm-hmm. or maybe he just didn't have the ability to uh, uh, see or hear them. It's not everyone who can't see or experience a ghost. What does it take for someone to experience a ghost sighting or, or a visitation from a spirit? Well, they... Uh, old theory was that you had to believe in them Mm -hmm. before you'd see them. And that is not really the truth. I've had so many people who were skeptical, who all of a sudden had something happen that they couldn't define, something that was just too profound, and it changes them around to being more of a believer. But um, it's, it's really hard, and I think anyone under the right conditions under the, in the right frame of mind, can't in fact see a ghost. And for some people, it's very easy. For others, it's very hard. As I say, for some, it's impossible, I believe. It's just like some people can't carry a musical tune mm-hmm. or play an instrument or learn a foreign language. But uh, other people can pick them up very easily and speak 10 or 12, 20 languages or play several musical instruments. Uh, I, I, about all I can play is a, uh, a music box, as long as I can turn the crank. But uh, hmm. I just can't play an instrument. Richard, are children more susceptible to having encounters with ghosts than adults are? 
oh, by all means, they seem to be more open to the mm-hmm. possibility of it. And to them, they haven't uh, learned anything different. So they tend to be more psychic. As a person gets older, they start to lose that uh, gift or ability. Mm-hmm. A few, of course, uh, enhance it as they grow older. But it's not anything special. A lot of people think because someone is psychic and they have experiences like this, that they're somehow, well, different in some way, or, or better, uh, almost you know, godlike in some way. Uh, I, I don't agree with that. Psychics are just regular folks who have this one particular gift or ability. Uh, others don't happen to have it, but it doesn't make them any better counselor. It doesn't make them uh, uh, wise beyond their years or anything like that. They just uh, have this one gift. When you go out onto an investigation or if you're on a ghost tour, mm-hmm. are you putting yourself at risk? Can someone get physically uh, assaulted by a ghost? Yes, they can, but I never, ever take uh, groups to places where I think something like that is even possible. When I first started out, I didn't believe it. I thought, oh, mm-hmm. ghosts can't harm you. And then I learned, whoa, I was very naive. That's not true. There's a lot of bad stuff out there in the other side or in the paranormal field. And that's one of the things I really kind of, pick a bone with the TV shows is that they've made it so popular. Mm -hmm. A lot of young people especially are getting involved and sometimes they can step into something that's really bad and have a negative experience. Um, Fortunately, the negative dark things are very rare. That's the only positive. What's two or three percent at best. So, um, I'd never take anybody to a site like that. I would never even take an amateur or a young group uh, to investigate such places. When I do go out to a place that's haunted with something negative, I take my best people. These are people who've been in the business 20 years or better, people who are well-grounded and it's a real challenge. And have I had things happen to me? Yeah, I've been pushed and shoved. Uh, I've had other things happen to associates of mine. One fellow was uh, actually struck in the face. I saw blood coming out of oh his mouth. And I even told whatever was there. I said, go ahead, strike me. They never did. Um, just to see if, you know, they could do that. But I've... Um, had enough things happen that make me convinced that ghosts can harm people, but it's very, very rare. We're talking a very, very slight chance that you'll encounter something like that. I was doing this for nine years before I came across something that was, well, evil, if you want to call it that. Richard, if you when you go out to do an investigation, how do you proceed? What are some of the, the first things you do when somebody says, uh, Mr. Senate, I, I'd like you to come over to see my house. Strange things are happening. I think it's haunted. How do you proceed? Well, first thing I do is a, a real in-depth interview over the phone. I want to find out the consistency. Mm-hmm. Is it something that like happened once and didn't happen again? 
uh, I don't. I wouldn't even go out on something like that. And a lot of times, that's what occurs. Someone has an event happen, or several events in a week, and then they get in touch with me a month afterwards. Oh, my house is haunted. Well, what was the most recent event? Well, it was two months ago. Well, I want recurrent, spontaneous activity. I want things going on right now, or very close to the present. So I interview the times. I try to set up a timeline of what's mm -hmm. going on. Many times ghosts seem to operate like on a bell curve. So you have a few activities. It rises higher and higher, more and more activities. That's what I want to get into. I want to get something that's rising on the bell curve so I can be there at the crescendo of whatever is happening. Uh, so I, I first get a timeline. Then I try to ask a few basic questions to see how uh, credible they are. Are they taking medications? Uh, are they real believers who've gone to seances all their lives and see ghosts everywhere? Uh, I would give it that a little less credibility than someone who perhaps was a skeptic and then all of a sudden they had this happen. Then I usually go out on a preliminary visit and I take pictures, I interview the people involved, I actually go to the sites. Then after the preliminary um, interview and visit, I assemble a team, and a team usually has, oh, five, three to five people, sometimes as many as 15. And I will take, uh, and each person has a specialization. One is a cameraman, one is, a, does, is an architect, another one sound technician. Others, I might bring psychics in, I mm -hmm. might bring religious leaders, I might bring uh, newspaper people, I've even had them come along, and even a few radio personalities. And then as a group, I meet with them, usually at a restaurant, and give them kind of like what I want each of them to do and the ethics that I want them to abide by in this investigation. Um, I also make sure that they're sober and that they aren't wearing any cologne and that they're wearing the right clothing, the right shoes, what kind of equipment they're bringing, if they have enough extra batteries, because ghosts tend to drain the batteries. Uh, even a brand new battery can be just drained in five seconds wow. by a ghost. So, um, I make sure everything's okay. Then we go to the site. Now, I usually don't tell them a whole lot about what's going on, mm -hmm. unless it's something real negative, and I think they should be warned. But most places, you know, 90% of them, I give them just the sketchiest of ideas of what's there. I want them to come up with new data. I don't want them uh, pre-programmed so they might imagine something. Then we go through the house. I usually let the psychics go through first to get their opinions or kind of metaphysical opinions. Then I let the people with the equipment go through. And by the way, you know what's amazing? What's that, Many times the psychic will pick up something in a hallway, and then later on I go through with the uh, scientists with their equipment. They'll pick up something in the same spot. Wow. So oddly enough, uh, the metaphysician, psychics, pendulums, mm -hmm. uh, turners, uh, those sorts of people, and the scientists who kind of debunk that sort of stuff, actually when they work together, 
they can really uh, acquire a great deal of information and knowledge. So that has worked out very well for me, a blending of both techniques in ghost hunting. And then after we do that, we set up a, a stakeout, and we pick out the room which we think is the most conducive to psychic activity. We set up our equipment. We uh, wait, and a lot of it's waiting. We sip coffee. We talk. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we play cards. Uh, sometimes we um, even try to reenact things in an attempt to help stimulate the ghost. Then every hour on the hour, we walk through the entire house, give a survey, and sometimes we'll even try a seance, like uh, in the middle of the night. And then all this data that was collected, but from the metaphysicians, the scientific equipment, plus the eyewitness accounts of the owners of the building, plus whatever um, history we're able to uh, acquire on the site, goes into a report. And the main question we ask is, is it really haunted? And if the answer is yes, who is haunting it and why? Out of, let's say, 100 investigations, Rich, how many out of 100 would you would you anticipate being truly haunted? Oh, truly actively haunted, oh, about 35%. Wow, that high. Yeah, and some of them have residual energy. That might account for another 30%. Mm-hmm. And then there's some that are a zip, nothing. Uh, imagination or whatever is there is either gone or dormant or what have you. Uh, but a lot of times we go out to sites and uh, the answer is no. And I used to sometimes uh, around Halloween especially mm-hmm. uh, news crews would want to go with me on an investigation. Oh, sure. I don't do that anymore because many times when we went out there was absolutely nothing. Oh gosh. <laughs> uh, it was it was kind of um, uh, kind of depressing in a way because yeah. there's nothing it, It's also very counterproductive. Yeah. <laughs> Rich, stand by, my friend. You and I have to take our final break for this hour, Exo Nation. My guest this hour is our good friend Richard Sinnett. He's got a great website, ghost-stalker.com, and uh, Rich has uh, written over 18 books. When we come back to uh, the... Uh, After this commercial break, I'm going to talk to Richard about his newest book entitled Silver Ghosts. And um, once again, Richard has a very active Facebook page. If you'd like to become a friend, just go to Facebook, type in his name, and join. It's that simple. My name's Rob McConnell. Richard Sinnett and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away.
Richard Sennett is our guest this hour. Once again, Richard's website is ghost-stalker.com, and he's also on Facebook. Uh, Richard, uh, tell us a little bit about Silver Ghosts. Silver Ghosts is my newest book I have. It's about ghosts in northern Nevada. Mm. That's uh, Carson City, Reno, uh, Virginia City, and there's all kinds of different hauntings. I did the book with my friend, the psychic Sandy Linnae, and uh, it can be acquired on uh, Lulu.com, and I think on Amazon.com as well. Richard, is that part of of Nevada so haunted because of those who lost their lives in the Old West and during the Gold Rush era? Oh, very much, and those mining uh, operations Mm -hmm. were incredibly dangerous, and uh, there were terrible accidents, some of them, the bodies were never recovered. They just seal up that particular part of the mine and work around it. So there's good possibility that the violent past, you know, shootings uh, were a common event, uh, were what's actually behind all the many hauntings we have there. Richard, is science any closer to to coming up with any scientific findings that will help the ghost researcher like yourself? Oh, very much. The new physics, uh, which is now dominating and replacing Newtonian physics, uh, is something that's so open that that, uh, there's nothing in new physics which um, could um, deny ghosts. In fact, they seem to confirm such things as even time travel. In fact, I tend to think that some ghosts are simply holes in the fabric of time but we actually are getting bleed-throughs from the past. So they're not like true spirits, more or less they're like uh, images that have crept into our area from the past or future. So what's in the future for Richard Sennett? Well, I'm working on a new book. Of course, I'm always working on a new book. It's, a, it's called Phantomology. That's a word I coined to define just ghost mm-hmm. hunting, as opposed to parapsychology, which is a whole bunch of other things. And I want to go back to more of the traditional methodology in ghost hunting, not just Good all scientific, but also more like um, uh, the use of psychics mm-hmm. and other things, sort of the way things were done, oh, 50 years ago or even 30 years ago before the craze went in for the various and sundry meters. I'll yeah. talk about them, but I want to get an idea of the full range of ghost hunting, and I use a lot of my own experiences and some of the things I've done in 33 years of ghost hunting. Richard, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Always a great pleasure, and I look forward to the next time you join us here in the X-Zone. Oh, it's been a lot of fun, and I look forward to another encounter. You take care, my good friend, and once again, congratulations on your newest addition to your family. Thank you very much. Good night, Richard. Exonation Richard Sennett, www.ghost-stalker.com, and of course, he's available on Facebook. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news at six and a half minutes past as we continue here in the Exxon with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. <laughs> 